0: We have our special guest, Brett Ridgway, waving in the waiting room. I want to introduce him. Brett Ridgway is a 25-year veteran of, speak, of the speaking industry and brings a unique perspective handling the back-of-the-room sales table at 150-plus conferences, providing fulfillment services for some of the biggest names in the industry, and speaking on many stages himself. He's the author of seven books focused on speakers, authors, information marketers, and event promoters, and is a frequent guest on virtual summits, podcasts, and in-person events. For you, the wonderful listener and audience, you can visit Britt's, um, think, website. <laughs> it's Brett B-E-R-E-T, excuse me, R I D. G-W-A-Y.com And um, this, it will have special report for three key things entrep- entrepreneurs must master to build a profitable speaking business. And um, okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our interview, okay? Hi, Brett. Thank you so much for, for waiting. And thank you also for being our guest today. Oh, is Brett. I hope not. Okay. He one hold and let's see if I Hello? Brett? I would lose Brett? I hope not. If he was waiting patiently. Mm. Let's see here. Oh, Paula. Okay, he's right here. <laughs> me now? Yeah, I can. Hi.
1: <laughs> well, sorry about that. I had converted over my computer and I heard you just fine, but apparently it wasn't picking me up. So, my apologies.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, I understand. I've done that quite a few times, it's right on the air. But uh, I would love to get started, okay, with the interview. Um, how? Did you get started in the speaking industry?
1: You know, Camilla, it's one of those things where you can definitely trace specific things back that occurred, and, and some of it was happened, chance or whatever. But back in the mid-1990s, I actually put up the first portal website in the plant engineering and maintenance industry. So I was doing product fulfillment for, back in those days, VHS tapes and books aimed at maintenance managers, plant engineers, et cetera. And about that same time frame, I had a guy who had a joint venture with who called me up and asked me if I would handle the back of the room at his first internet marketing super conference. And I remember it well, it was at the old Las Vegas Hilton. And honestly, I didn't even know what back sales meant at the time, but I hadn't been to Las Vegas before, so it sounded good to me, so I went out and agreed to do that for this gentleman. And that led to a side business where over the course of the next 15 years, I, I did manage the back sales table about 150 different multiple speaker events, so I would provide the crew and I would provide the merchant account that could handle a large sum of money in a short period of time and just manage all the monies running through the back of the room. So we pay the promoter, we pay the speakers, et cetera. And around, gosh, that was back in 1999, in about 2002, when some of the speakers I had gotten to know from handling all those events found out that I was doing product fulfillment for my own websites. They cornered me at the event and said, hey, will you do some fulfillment for me because it's not something I really want to do. And I've been thinking about it for a while because of the natural outgrowth of all the people I had got to know in the industry. And so that's when I founded a company called Speaker Fulfillment Services back in 2003, and that, that company – Provides product duplication and fulfillment services for speakers and authors and information marketers. So between handling the back loom at about 150 different events as well as managing product fulfillment and duplication for a lot of the big name speakers, I had a, a unique opportunity, kind of a behind the scenes perspective, if you will, to see what, you know, speakers are doing well, what they're not doing so well, and what are the key things that people need to put into place to succeed, and what are some of the key mistakes that you want to avoid if you're going to have any kind of success so that was kind of the path that got us to where we are are to today
0: excellent and then um in your upcoming book how to build a profitable speak i think it's speaking business let me look here speaking business yes um you talk about the concept of a back pocket speech what do you mean by that
1: well, that, you know, that, that came out of a very specific story, but I was at an event in Atlanta a number of years ago and standing out in front of the event hotel, and an ambulance pulled up and, and literally carted away one of my friends who was having some issues. And, you know, fortunately he turned out to be okay, but I could see the event promoter standing over to the side basically with a look of panic on his face because the person being carted away in that ambulance was the one who was scheduled to be the next speaker at that particular event. And it was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I have content I need to deliver to my attendees. I have a promise to keep. I do not want to get up on the stage myself and do a song and dance routine for 90 minutes or whatever. So what am I going to do? And that's where, as a speaker, you have an excellent opportunity to be the you know, the knight in shining armor, so to speak, and be the one who can offer up an additional speech that you may present to that audience that will fill in that empty time slot for the promoter. And so that's what I call the back pocket speech. Now, you may never need it, but if that opportunity arises. And I've seen it arise more than once, whether it's via virtual events where somebody doesn't show up or you had a medical issue, like in one instance, and you get to be the hero. So when an event promoter is putting together his next event, you're far more likely to be invited to speak against that event because you're the one that helped him out and as important to that is that it gives you a lot more face time with the audience so you have a chance to build better rapport and tell more stories and so if you are selling something from the stage you should close more sales because you had a chance to build a better rapport with that audience so that's that's what i mean by a back pocket speech and it's it's something that you definitely need to have available Again, you may never need it, but it's always helpful to be there to be the one who can see that opportunity should there arise.
0: Mm, okay, that's very interesting. Thank you so much. Why is it not just getting on stages, but getting on the right stages so important? So important for speakers.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I think most speakers, by and large, are, are weak at is truly doing their homework ahead of time of an event to determine if that audience is the proper fit for them. Now, there's, there are you know three types of speakers in my mind. You have your keynote presenter, who's the one who's you know, paid a fee to go and speak to a, a corporation or an association. You have your platform seller, so they speak, typically speak for free, and they're going to make their money by selling something from the stage, a back-end product or service. And then the third type is a, the typical businessman could be a chiropractor, an attorney or whatever, who speaks to local groups just to build brand awareness. They're not necessarily directly selling from the stage, but they do obviously hope that people will inquire about their, their services or products. So, oh if you are in a situation where you've got an opportunity to go in and speak at an event, you've got to determine if that crowd is right for you. And, and it applies to all the, all the speaking sh- scenarios, whether it's keynote, platform seller, or just a business person using it as a marketing tool. Because if if the audience isn't a fit for you, then you're essentially wasting your time going out and speaking at that event. Uh, and th- if that is a situation where Let me think about how to tell the story best. So I was at an event a a few years ago that, for whatever reason, the event promoter – this was a multi-speaker event in the Internet marketing space. And for whatever reason, the event promoter was all about getting the the biggest names on his stage. So it wasn't about any thought about curriculum or how to put together a cohesive program that would truly benefit the audience – so as it turned out, three of those big names were all speaking about the subject of copywriting. Now, while copywriting is a very important subject, by the time they got to the third speaker on that particular topic, well, as you can imagine, Camille, the audience was totally tuned out. I mean, it's like, you know, been there, heard that, not interested now. And so the chances of that speaker selling anything from the platform, you know, was almost zero because they people had been burnt out on copywriting. So if they had done their homework ahead of time and looked at who else was speaking on that stage and what were they talking about, they probably would have determined that that event wasn't the right platform for them to be on. It was not the right stage. If you're doing a keynote presentation, I mean, you need to figure out who's gonna be in that audience from the corporation that maybe you're going to speak to, who are those movers and shakers and what are their key pain points that you can address? Because the more you can address the key pain points of the audience, then the greater success you're going to have in terms of sharing your message as well as if you're selling anything from the platform, selling that particular product or service. So you, you got to do your homework. You got, it's, it's critical. And, you know, one of the key phrases I hear mentioned all the time is buying units. And that's part of doing your homework in advance of an event. I was handling an event several years ago that was in the homeschooling market. And there was maybe 100, 120 people in the audience or whatever, which sounds good if you're a speaker wanting to come in and, you know, make a pitch or whatever. But as it turned out, that 120 people represented only about, you know, 10 or 15 buying units because there was a lot of husbands and wives and even children there. And, you know, a husband and wife aren't going to purchase the same product. So if you're assessing that opportunity and say, well, how many opportunities, I mean, how many people are truly there that can feasibly purchase my product or service? You would determine well, that, you know, that number is about twenty or whatever, and so uh, that may not be the right stage for me. So, again, doing your homework in advance of an event is critical to determine if that's the right stage for you to be on.
0: Okay, thank you. And in your opinion, should a speaker be a fee, which is keynote speaker, or a free sell from the platform speaker?
1: Well, you got to determine what is right for you, certainly. But you know, if you are looking at speaking as a business and not just a marketing tool that you're using for whatever your primary product or service is but if you're looking at as a business I can certainly tell you from experience that a speaker will make far more money if they can become an effective platform seller than if they're a keynote presenter so I mean keynotes are, are great you go and do your thing and you're gone or whatever but if you are maximizing revenue and want to do that then being a keynote or being a platform seller will be the way to go i actually had a colleague camille that a few years ago spoke at an event in the uk and in one 90 minute presentation did nine hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars worth of sales now in the event world where you have a multi-speaker event like that typically it's going to be a 50 50 split between the event promoter and the speaker but, I mean, who wouldn't like to walk away with, you know, almost half a million dollars in your pocket for one 90-minute presentation? Now, that's certainly not the norm. I mean, don't get any illusions of that or whatever. But because this particular from selling had a high-ticket offer, I think it was like a $5,000 offer, and it was a large crowd, and they were tuned in. They were the right stage for him. He was able to do so well. So, if again, if speaking business building is in your future, then – You gotta become how to you gotta learn how to effectively sell from the stage because that will generate far more than keynote fees probably ever will.
0: Okay. Excellent. And then what are some of the biggest changes you've seen happen in the information marketing world over the last ten years?
1: When I started speaker fulfillment services back in two thousand three it was all, I mean, this was, this was by and large the, the pre-digital delivery era. So all products were physical products and it was all about what they would call thump value. How many manuals can you put together? How many CDs or DVDs can you package together to create this big product that looks like they're getting massive value when they receive it? And over the years, informational products have certainly gone on a diet and slimmed down considerably. And and many people have gone the digital only route. Now, obviously there's there's pluses to that, there's also minuses to that. And so you've got to evaluate what's gonna work best for you. But I think the smart marketers recognize that it is still valuable to get something in the hands of their customers, their followers, their clients on a you know, semi regular basis at least, in a physical format so that they remain front and center in the mind of their followers. I have a good colleague who has a monthly membership site that has hundreds of followers and certainly the majority of the content is delivered digitally. It's in, within a membership site, but he also sends a physical magazine once a month to his followers to help remind them of the value that he's bringing to the world, He you know, put something in front of them that they're going to see sitting there to remind them of him and. You know, I had a client. Gosh, it's been years ago, but he had a newsletter that was physical, and decided to get. You know, he got caught up in the uh, the hoopla of t- turning it into a digital newsletter because it wouldn't have any delivery costs then. Well, people started to unsubscribe massively because they had been trained to expect a physical newsletter. They still wanted something tangible. And there certainly are a, a core segment of the population out there that want a physical product still. They want something they can hold in their hands. I mean, think about book readers. I mean, yes, there's a lot of Kindle readers, but there's also a lot of people that will never read a book on Kindle. They want a physical book they can curl up with on the couch easily and, and highlight or whatever. And, I, and I'm of that ilk, honestly. If I have a PDF document that somebody sends me, well, I'm going to put the thing out and read it offline. I'm not going to read it on my computer. Uh, so you got to evaluate the pros and cons of going digital only. Again, I think it's a mistake because some people still do want tangible items in their possession. But you got to determine what's going to work best for you in your world, and then go from there.
0: Okay, thank you. And then, what are some of the biggest oops uh, moments you've seen from speakers?
1: So we were handling the back of the room at an event, Camille, a few years ago, and it was a platform selling situation. And the speaker had the true speaker's dream, the, the true table rush. I mean, people back at the back of the room table, literally throwing their credit cards at us to order this particular person's product. Now the product was some a type of SaaS product, a software as a service product. It was a website building tool, and this speaker, again, created that table, left did a fantastic presentation, and in, I forget whether it was 60 or 9 minutes, but he generated $375,000 worth of sales. Well, that's fantastic, you might think. Well, as it turned out, about 30 days later, every single penny of that $375,000 had to be refunded to the attendees because as it turned out, there was some kind of bug in the product they could never figure out, and so they had to give all the money back. Not only was it a major embarrassment for the speaker, it was a a massive hit to the pocketbook of the event promoter, as well as my own pocketbook, because I mean, we take a portion of the promoter's cut for handling the back of the room. So it was a situation that could have been avoided, and the mistake, honestly, was they, they sold a product from the platform that had not yet been fully developed and tested and you're skating on very thin ice when you go that route to do something like that I mean another time we were handling an event and I think it was up in Vancouver and the speaker sold a training program that was going to be ready to go in two weeks well invariably two weeks turned into three turned into four turned into six and again every single penny had to be refunded because it couldn't meet the timeline that had been promised so you know, be very careful about what you're selling from the platform if you're a platform seller. Now, I think you can get away with selling something that hasn't been developed, honestly, Camille, if it's like you're a training program you're going to deliver in real time and then record the mm-hmm. sessions to create a product out of it or whatever. But if you're doing mm-hmm. a software-type product or something that has a specific timeline that's been promised for delivering and you can't deliver, then, again, I think you're skating on thin ice and asking for trouble. All right.
0: Perfect. Okay. And then um, so many people you, you say you must have a book if you're a speaker. Do you agree with this, and what is the biggest mistake that you feel authors make? Yeah,
1: you definitely need to have a book, and that applies to anybody who's in business, honestly. it It's not necessarily just speakers. I mean, if you're a, a local chiropractor or attorney or whatever – you should have a book because a book establishes you as the expert in your particular niche in your area. And so when people are looking for somebody to provide the type of service that you provide, then you are the logical choice because you're the one that wrote the book. And for speakers, it definitely gives you more credibility, and you should have multiple books, honestly. I mean, I've written eight now, not just seven, but I 8th eighth, eighth one is coming out in March, and it is – something that makes you more attractive to the event promoter because again you wrote the book you're the you're the you're the expert in their eyes because you have a book out on the subject or the topic that you speak about so yeah definitely need to have a book and you need to make sure that that book works for you as a marketing tool now Obviously, it's great if you can become a New York Times bestseller or a Wall Street Journal bestseller, but those types of people are few and far between. and That's not real world for the majority of authors out there. So you need to recognize that that book is a marketing tool first and foremost. And so you need to have, number one, what we call bounce-back offers inside that book so that when somebody is reading your book, you have some incentive to drive them to your website so that you can then capture their name and address and email address to do follow-up marketing to them I mean one of the big mistakes I see authors make is selling their book only by Amazon and that's a mistake I mean yes you need to be on Amazon you need to be selling your book on Amazon because they're the 800 pound gorilla in the, the book selling world but if you have any kind of platform at all and the ability for example from your speeches to drive people to a website to buy your book drive them to your own website not Amazon's. Not only do you then capture the customer information because it's your customer then, not Amazon's, but it also enables you to, when you ship that book out, include maybe a, a flyer or a brochure or something on the other products or services you may have. And it gets you the ability to, again, do, then do that follow-up marketing and all. I mean, Amazon is great, but it has its negatives, certainly. I mean, Amazon is going to take 45 to 55% of the sales price of that book. So you'll make a lot more money if you can if you're able to direct sell it from your own website. So, you know certainly Amazon only is a mistake. Not having bounce backs is a mistake. And then the third thing I might touch on is you need to make sure that your book is consumable. I mean, I like to I like to do a little reading maybe before I go to bed. And if I pick up a book and see that the next chapter is twenty to thirty pages long, it's like uh, I'm not even going to start this because I'm not going to finish this chapter tonight or whatever. But I mean, think about oh, what's he got? James Patterson, the, the, you know, the author. I mean, his chapters are two or three pages. So you read a chapter, well, I can read another one. I can read another one. Next thing you know, you've pretty well read the whole book. But because it's consumable, it's, it's laid out in bite-sized chunks. It's just not block after block after blocks of text. So think about the consumability of your book because obviously if you can't get them to even read your book because you make it too challenging for them to read your book – then the chances of them coming to you for some other type of product or service goes way, way down. So those are are probably three of the biggest mistakes I see authors make.
0: Okay, excellent. I actually missed a question, so I'm going to go back one. What do you feel are the biggest keys to getting more gigs as a speaker?
1: It's all about relationships. Frankly, it's entirely about relationships. I was able to build the fulfillment company to a, a multi-million dollar company entirely off of relationship assets. And I honestly think relationships are your biggest business capital. It's not your logo. It's not your website. It's not some physical product you have. It's your, the relationships, the people that know you and like you and trust you and the people that you know. I mean, Speaker Fulfillment Services did no proactive advertising whatsoever. It was all built of word of mouth from people I met at advance and people that they referred to us. And so when I did a a book launch a few years ago, uh, one of my books called Mistakes Authors Make, we actually did a a live launch of that at an event to see if we could drive it to an Amazon number one bestseller. And it it was a bit of a risk because if it succeeded, we'd have a little bit of edge on our face, but we decided to do it anyway. And because of the relationships that I had built up in the industry over the course of 15 years or so, they were more than happy to help promote the loss of that new book. And so it succeeded because of relationships. You've got to get out there and network. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful platforms online to get out there and network if you're a speaker so that people know what you're about, what you speak about. And if you're one putting on events, it's an opportunity to you know, identify other speakers you may want to bring into your event. But there's, there's platforms like... Uh, speakers playhouse or event raptor that have weekly or even you know quarterly or monthly networking events via Zoom typically where you're gonna get on there and talk about your subject and what you're looking for in terms of stages or virtual summits or podcasts or whatever. And so it's it's all about networking and meeting people and all that. And you you've got to do that. I think you've got to attend virtual summits even if you're not a speaker on that summit to be seen. Now, obviously, you've got to pick and choose your battles. I mean, we all have limited time or whatever. But, you know, spending some time each week networking should be a regular part of your marketing mix, honestly.
0: Okay. Well, that's outstanding. And then are there any other mistakes you see others make routinely?
1: You know, there's other mistakes I've seen people make that have literally cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars or killed a list. And and let me just touch on a couple of those. So we were handling the product launch a few years ago for a, a guy in the forex space, foreign exchange currency. It was a training program and he launched the product a great, you know, fanfare. But after about three hours, wham, suddenly his merchant account got shut off and What most people don't realize is when they set up a, a credit card processor for their website, they're going to define an average ticket value and also an expected monthly volume with their provider. Well, when they did that product launch, they suddenly were running massive volumes through their account, and it was a major red flag for the credit card processor. They were thinking it was fraud, honestly, so they shut off their account. So for excuse me, so for lack of a, a simple phone call to the merchant account provider to say, "Hey, I'm doing a new product launch. We are expecting to do this amount of money over the next few days or whatever, they're fine with that if they know what's going on, but they didn't pick up the phone and call them and they got shut off and based on their previous launches, honestly, it cost them somewhere between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars worth of sales by not picking up the phone call phone and calling the merchant account provider. Another mistake I saw a guy make is he had a, he had a good list. He had a list of like fifty five thousand people that he had built up in the financial services sector, and for he had been communicating with this list for a long time, and so he had a, a certain tone to his communications with them that they had come to expect, and for whatever reason he decided he was going to bring in an internet guru, so to speak, to help him craft a new email campaign. And so they they wrote a very hard-hitting salesy message that was totally opposite of how he had communicated with his list in the past. And when they sent that out, it started to happen immediately. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. When all was said and done, a list that had been 55,000 people was a list of just 5,000 people. He killed his list. Now, the lesson there, honest I think, was if you're going to bring anybody to help you with your email communications or your brand, you better educate them on how you've communicated with your list in the past. Maybe you need to transition over to the salesy type messages versus just doing it, you know, quick 180 degree turn and and slamming it on people when they weren't expecting. So he he killed a list, again, by not going, being consistent with his branding and what he had trained them to expect from
0: him. Wow, okay. Um, and then your last question is, if you had to sum it up in just three words, what do you feel the greatest keys to success are for a speaker or author information marketer?
1: All right. So number one is certainly going to be relationships that we talked about. Yes.
0: Uh,
1: number two is branding. So make sure that You're thinking about your brand from the get-go and not just piecemealing things together as you go. And the number three is stories, because your stories are what make you unique out there. And so when you want to get on platforms, it's your stories you need to share, and you need to master those stories. And there's different types of stories you need to master, but you need to master your stories because people love stories, and that's what's going to draw the audience into you and make them more receptive to your message. So relationships, Branding and stories would be the three biggest keys in my mind.
0: Okay. This has been – okay, I'll just say this. In accordance to your reviews, an excellent guest with a wealth of knowledge, amazing (laughs) conversation with you, Brett. And um, that's my sentiments exactly. This has been um, just a wonderful interview. And I thank you so much for bringing it to my listeners, Um, the – my listener um, countries are growing kind of kind of quietly, like grassroots-wise. So I'm very happy that you were able to come in today and talk to us. Um, I did well, I'm, glad, to I'm ask, glad we were able to
1: pull it off on short notice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and, um, and then I just have uh, one last question. Uh, what is your sure. favorite coffee, your favorite coffee or hot beverage?
1: All right, well, I'm going to have to go hot cocoa. I'm going to ask you, could we do a, a cocoa <laughs> chat with Camille because I don't drink coffee? so.
0: <laughs> okay, we joined a cocoa chat. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. Um, again, thank you so much, Brett. Oh, this is a magnificent interview. And I hope to have you on future episodes because I'm, re- I'm having a lot right. guests return. Okay, thank you again cool. and take care.
1: All right, thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Okay, there you have it, everyone. Wonderful Brett. He is absolutely wonderful, magnificent. I was literally taking notes, you know, and my guess was the majority of them. And you sometimes hear a little shuffling in the backdrop. That's what it is. I'm actually taking notes. And, um, because I, I've realized that it, it doesn't always matter what, what your, of niches, or we can all take pointers from anyone that has them to give on just about any topic, and especially if you're aiming for success and individual success, you know, where you don't have, like, a big uh, overhead or, you know, a big corporation, but you're solo at, Um I, I think a majority of my guests are are just magnificent for that, so um I love the last question. If he had to sum up in just three words, what do – what was it? Something about the keys to success for a speaker or author. And uh, his last question was relationships is one, branding, and stories, and that we must master our stories. Okay? I have a lot of other notes, but I'm not going I, – I thought the last answer was was a, a beautiful – conclusion to everything that you spoke on. And uh, I think that's it for now. You know what? I want to absorb a lot of it. I hope you all absorb um, a lot of what Brett just uh, went over with us. Again, you can go to brettridgeway.com. Special report. There's three key things entrepreneurs must master to build a profitable speaking business. Okay? So there's a special report on his website. And that will do it for Coffee Chat with Camille on January 7th, a Tuesday, and a sunny day in California again. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Brett.